The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by TechTown Detroit, Detroit's entrepreneurship hub. TechTown Detroit is a business incubator and accelerator, helping tech startups and local businesses launch and grow. TechTown supports businesses with co-working, office, meeting, and event space. They also connect entrepreneurs to resources and learning and networking events in Detroit. TechTown Detroit, Detroit's entrepreneurship hub. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me today. And uh, today on the program, a follow-up from last week. You may recall my conversation with author and historian Steve Leto about his planned trip via canoe from Duluth to Detroit. Well, what happened on that trip? We're going to find out on today's program. So make sure you stick around for the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. This one's going to be fun. I promise you that. The Craig Folley Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey everybody, Craig here. Thanks for checking out the show on this day. And, uh, you know, you were if you were listening last week, you heard me talking to my friend Steve Leto, and we were talking about a big adventure he was going to go on. So I was going through the archives, listening to some old interviews I'd done, and thinking about, yeah, maybe there's some stuff I could revisit. Well, I stumbled across the interview with Steve Leto. He, of course, is a, a, an attorney. Uh, he's an author, a historian. He's written about 20 books at this point in time, and he's been a frequent guest on my program. But he was getting ready to embark on an incredible journey, uh, following in the footsteps of one Douglas Houghton, who was really one of the founding fathers of Michigan. And it was going to be a canoe trip. Now, if you were listening the other day, you heard this, and I promised you that we would follow up with Steve and find out how that whole thing went, because I myself was wondering how that whole thing went. Well, joining me right now to fill us in a little bit on what's been happening since then is my friend Steve Leto. Steve, welcome back. It's always a pleasure. It's good to be here. Well, like I said, with an intro like that, I, at the time, <laughs> at the time we did that interview, I think I said I was jealous of this adventure mm. you were going on, and it was going to be something where you were going to canoe. Based, the idea was to canoe from Duluth to Detroit, correct? Yes, yes. Which was in itself a tall order. Now, it was a motorized canoe, so you weren't doing it the exact same way that the uh, the pioneers would have done it, but it was still a really ambitious undertaking, um, and you seemed so confident at the time. Well, you know, I, and I spent a couple of years planning it. I really did, and, and everything was lined up. And when I did the interview with you, it was probably the high point of how good I felt and how optimistic I felt about how my plans were coming together. <laughs> and um, it fell apart after that through no cause of my own and you know once you hear the explanations you'll understand but yeah i went from a very very high point of spending a couple of years planning something to eh, a little while later just being glad to be alive <laughs> well, and you of course are going to put this into words as uh, as is your, your tendency <laughs> yeah. to do so um can i share the potential title of this oh, year yeah absolutely I, I i love this boondoggle 
and this is going to give people an idea of what happened on this trip. Uh, it is, uh, I, I love this, I love this. Boondoggle, one man's failed attempt to accomplish the obviously impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest in hindsight, okay? And and you have to understand, I was planning on this trip, I've been planning it, I had been planning it for years, and it was slated to start July 1st, and I had all kinds of people lined up to volunteer to help me, to go along with me, to crew for me, and two weeks before the canoe trip, two weeks before, a once-in-a-millennium storm hit the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, dumped six inches of water on the Keweenaw Peninsula, among other things, and destroyed the area to such an extent that, uh, I mean, uh, someone got killed. Uh, well, the houses yeah, were a, swept off their foundations. A you know? dam broke up there and everything. Yeah, and it was, I mean, it was, it was national news. I remember seeing on CNN, you know, Michigan's Upper Peninsula devastated by storm. This was two weeks before my trip, and I thought, I wonder if this is going to affect my trip at all. <laughs> and I, I, I have friends up there, and they're saying, Steve, you're not going to believe how much stuff has been washed out into the lake. Buildings, trees, stumps, there's just debris in the lake. And I thought, well, you know, Lake Superior is a big, healthy body of water. It's certainly going to get better, right? I mean, isn't that what she does? Well, two weeks later when I went up there to, to take my trip, number one, they were closing beaches on Lake Superior for E. coli, which I don't think they've ever done as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And then when I was driving along the shore the day we were going to launch to do the trip, the, the color of the water, if you've seen Lake Superior, it's the cleanest water on earth. You can normally walk out and drink it. And the water looked like chocolate milk. It had the color of, of, a, of, a, you know, of a, a Frosty from Wendy's. It was, it was that thick looking. And, and I'm like, wow, that's bizarre. So I thought, well, you know something? We've come this far. I'm not going to cancel it before I get the canoe wet. So we launched the canoe. We got out at the lake, my brother and I, and <laughs> we immediately started noticing. We were the only people on the lake on a Saturday morning in July. You know? And it was you know, glassy, smooth water. But the water was filled with debris, and it was, I mean, stumps the size of lazy boy chairs, uh, telephone pole-sized logs. I mean, it was crazy. And so we're zigzagging through all this stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, the trip is still theoretically possible at this point, isn't it? (laughs) And then I realized, oh, wait, there's a reason they've had small craft warnings. That is, they're, they're telling people, don't go out on the lake unless you have to. And at that point, I started thinking, you know, this probably isn't the best idea that I've decided to execute lately. Well, and and I've got to say, I've read uh, just a few introductory pages that you were kind enough to send over my way, um, and obviously you're going to get this published uh, at some point in the near future, so we don't want to give away too much of what's in there, but I sort of got this vibe of uh, Bill Bryson, A Walk in the Woods. I don't know if you recall that (laughs) book. Oh, yeah. Um, And of course, they made it into a film. He's one of my favorites, but you know, his... You and your brother going on this journey, uh, your brother had had a health scare uh, uh, not that long previous to it. <laughs> and at what point you're like, well, this will just be fun. It'll be easy. And clearly it wasn't. Well, and, you know, I have to tell you this, that that it wasn't just the storm. The storm was the big one. That was the big domino that fell at the end. But uh, my brother is uh, a couple years older than I am. I'm in my 50s. <clears throat> and um, the, right around Christmas, six months before my trip, he had promised to go with me on the trip. He had a massive stroke. He was in the hospital the day after Christmas, and a doctor told him, you're never going to walk again. That's how bad your stroke is. And, and to his credit, six months later, he was up and walking. He said, yeah, I'll go with you on your trip. So he, he's still got a really, really bad like Frankenstein-type limp, you know, and he can you know, barely move his right arm. But, but he promised to go with me, and I thought, as an as a homage to his recovery, I'm going to let him come with me. Well, it turns out <laughs> we're brothers. We can get away with this stuff. But no one else 
would I have asked to come along in that condition? And I certainly don't think he would have done it for anybody else but me. But he's my older brother, so he thinks he's going to take care of me. And I'm looking at him going, he's recovering from a stroke. I'll take care of him. And so we wind up out on the water, and the, the waves got kind of rough. So I thought, well, let's go near shore. As long as we stay near shore, we're fine. We covered 25 or 30 miles that first day. We were you know, doing good as far as that goes. And at one point in time, we hit something in the water. And, and I don't know, it was, it was a big piece of wood, whether it was a stump or a branch or a log. And it twisted one of the pontoons that I've got on my, on my canoe. And so the, the canoe wanted to go sideways. And so I said, Dave, we've got to go ashore. I'm, I'm really sorry. But and there was a spot we could pull ashore. So we pulled ashore. And as we pulled ashore, the, the canoe got swamped. I mean, just filled with mud and water and sand. And as we're standing there looking at it, I realized there's no way we're going back out on this water without dying. So I thought, well, let's, let's you know, what are we going to do now? And I realized we can't get home the way we came because we came in a canoe. <laughs> and we're at the base of about a 100-foot tall cliff and a mud cliff that goes up. And then it's just woods. Now, I've got a GPS with me. I can see where we are, at least via satellite. But the nearest road is a couple miles away. We do have a chase vehicle that I can text them with this GPS unit. And so we started communicating with the chase vehicle. And it's kind of like, I can tell you where we are, and he can tell me where he is. But we're still two miles apart. And between us is a wooded swamp unlike anything I've ever seen in any movie, any horror film, or even my worst nightmares. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. I mean, you know, you, as, as you point out in these first pages, it's like you either stand here and sink or you just walk through the swamp and get and get cut to ribbons, basically, because uh, you don't know what's under the water in a swamp. I mean, there's a reason they have airboats in those things. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was it was surreal. And I remember at one point it took us about two and a half or three hours to hike out to the road, and it was getting dark out. It was chilly out. You know, we were not prepared for what we were doing. Um, and at this point, I realize now that the people are listening, going, "This guy's crazy to have even thought he could do this," but you know. It was one of those things where a bunch of little things kind of piled up very, very quickly. I, you know, like I said, I used the analogy of dominoes before. But to give you another just a little comic thing to add to all this, my brother Dave has a dachshund named Frankie. And Frankie's got blue eyes, old blue eyes, right? Well, Dave likes to bring Frankie everywhere. And he talked me into letting him bring Frankie on the canoe. So we're hiking through the woods trying to get out of there before nightfall. My brother's limping from his stroke. And he goes, hey, Steve. Can you carry Frankie for a little while? <laughs> and so I actually had the mental image of what it must have looked like when we stumbled out of the woods. Here I am carrying a dachshund, and there's my brother limping from his massive stroke. Our canoe is a mile and a half away on the edge of the lake, buried in mud. We're lucky to be alive. And we're just going, where's my brother? The other brother's got my truck. Where's the truck? I, just, I hope he finds us before nightfall. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, you know, I have to ask you this question, though. You know, you're sitting there saying it's the obviously impossible. As you said, yeah. hindsight is twenty twenty. But, um, you know, it, it seemed logical when you were telling me about it. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, it's probably going to be a really peaceful journey. You know, it might be a little rough at times. It might rain. But for the most part, you don't expect to... Uh, to lose your boat. <laughs> well, and, and we, we, I eventually got the boat back, which is another story of redemption like you wouldn't believe. Uh, when, we, when, we, when my brother picked me up, we all went back to the hotel, and we started thinking, what can we do now? The boat is abandoned on the side of the lake, but no boats are out there because the weather is so bad. So how do we get my boat back? And I'm, I'm not sure where to begin. So I said, you know, I'm going to go home, do some research on the Internet. Complicated, convoluted story, but I figured out 
who owned a piece of property near where I abandoned the boat. I found a phone number, talked to this very, very nice woman. She goes, oh, you need to talk to this other guy who lives down the road. He's the caretaker. Blah, blah, blah. Next thing I know, I'm talking to a 70-year-old Finnish man, which is good because Leto is Finnish. And, and we don't, neither of us spoke Finnish, but we recognize that we're you know, kinfolk. Sure. And he goes, where's the boat now? And I tell him, he goes, I'll go get it for you. I go, no, 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 no. You can't go get it. It's buried in mud. It's the base of the cliff. It's a mile from where you He goes, no, no, I'll go get it for you. He goes, I'll call you back. Next day, he called me back. He goes, Steve, I got your boat, your motor, all your stuff. It's on my front lawn. Come and get it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the kindness of strangers. You, you, you can't, you can't <laughs> make this stuff up. But and he just he did it so matter of factly as if yes. hey this kind of thing happens all the time. Well, and and the funny thing is I I have a five horsepower motor on my boat. I laid it next to the canoe. He actually leaned over and he goes, Steve. He goes next time. He goes, don't leave that motor laying around. That's kind of expensive. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like who's gonna go over and who's even gonna know it's there? You know, that's that's what I was thinking. But I'll tell you right now, we got the canoe back, and since then, just to prove it's doable, I have done massive trips in my canoe. So I'm I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I, I took my canoe last summer from the mouth of the Tequamanon River all the way up to the Lower Falls and back. Uh, I've taken my, my boat uh, out of Port Huron, uh, excuse me, out of Port Austin, and gone around Turnip Rock out in Lake Huron. Uh, and I've also done some other trips. In fact, I even this past summer made a special point to go visit the beach where Douglas Houghton's body was found. Douglas Houghton drowned in 1845 during an expedition. It seems and, like that should have been a warning enough right there. Well, you'd think so, but he wasn't in a canoe. So I actually <laughs> launched my canoe from Eagle River, went several miles west down the shore, found the beach where they found his body. I dropped a copper ingot in the water as a memorial. And shot some nice footage and, and headed back. So I've had the canoe out on Lake Superior and in good conditions, it's absolutely possible to do 30, 40, 50 miles in a day. That's not the problem. It's just that it was a combination of a bunch of bad luck plus that crazy once in a millennium storm. It happens once every thousand years and it happens the one year I've decided to do my trip. Well, it, it makes you wonder whether or not you actually think about trying it again. <laughs> I've thought about it and it's one of those yeah, things. See, the seed, but, the seed but, has been planted. Yeah, yeah, but here's the problem. I need another person to be in the canoe with me because it's 17 feet long, and I need a counterbalance. <laughs> I need ballast. Mm -hmm. And so I've talked to people, and they say, well, you know, Steve, I'll do a day trip with you, a couple-day trip with you. I actually launched the canoe um, up near Sanford, Michigan, on the Titabawassee River and made it down to Midland one day. And, and, and we would have gone further, but it was I wanted to do it all in one day. But that's a trip that Douglas Houghton did back in 1837 uh, from the Sanford area all the way down to um, uh, Lake Huron. And so, you know, I've, I've done quite a bit of exploring with the canoe since then. So it's, it's, it's doable, but it's just, you know, I don't know if I can talk someone into going out with me for a few weeks on Lake Superior or not. Well, probably not, but you probably have that one friend out there that's dumb enough to do it. You never know, yeah, just like yeah. Bill Bryson. So yeah, uh, I, I should remind folks, my guest right now is Steve Leto. Of course, we're talking about his unfortunately short trip on Lake Superior <laughs> in the canoe. It was supposed to be something that lasted quite a bit longer. Uh, but uh, as you've just heard, some problems plagued them early in the trip. Yeah. Uh, Steve, of course, is an attorney. He's a, an author, a historian. Um, and, and, you know, I, I want to talk about something else that, you, that you've been working on, too, uh, because you have amassed quite a little following on YouTube uh, for Leto's Law, giving yeah. people legal advice, talking about cases and, and things like that that are going on, giving them some idea of how the process works. Yeah. Why do you think this is catching on? Because you've got a couple hundred thousand followers on there. Yeah. Well, I, you know, what happened is I had a talk show years ago in Flint, and I also did talk shows in Detroit talking about legal issues, and they were always fairly active in terms of people calling in with questions. And I specialize in automotive law, which is lemon law. And, and, and most people, the second biggest purchase they'll ever make in their life is a car. 
So everyone's a consumer. Everyone's dealt with car problems. So there's a certain connection there. And a while back, I started podcasting, and someone said, you know, you should put your podcast up on YouTube. So I started doing that, and I picked up some subscribers, and, and something happened last year where it just suddenly caught fire. And I now have 120,000 subscribers, but I'm gaining a couple hundred a day. And I never thought people would tune in and subscribe to watch some guy who's sitting in a room by himself speaking into a camera, you know, talking to himself about the law. But <laughs> people seem well, to enjoy it, so it's doing well. Well, see, I'm counting on them wanting to do that. You know, that's <laughs> going to be important going forward for I know, me. But, I know. Um, you know, there was one episode that you did recently, though, where you're looking at this frivolous lawsuit that you were involved in. And as somebody who has been uh, also involved in a frivolous lawsuit, uh, <laughs> I found that to be, OK, I'm not alone here. Uh, this kind of stuff happens all the time. And one of the questions you kept asking is, you know, who was the guy that was willing to actually take on this so obviously awful case? Yeah, and, um, you know, it's, it's funny because my office, you know, my secretary called me one day and said, Steve, there's somebody here trying to serve you with papers. I'm an attorney. People drop off papers. And she, and she goes, no, no, trying to serve you. Like, you're the defendant. I'm like, what? So I go into the office and I get this lawsuit. And it's a 57-page, 30-count complaint of nonsense filed by somebody who was disgruntled because I had sued them on behalf of a client eight years ago. And no attorney in the right mind would take a case that old, that bad against another attorney. And I came back from my office. I was so steamed. I wanted to punch somebody. I thought, oh, I should just shoot a video instead. And so I shot a video called Welcome to Crazy Town. And that video went viral. And I did a four-part series about the lawsuit itself. So episode one is I got served. Episode two is here's what happened next. And then episode four is what happened with the lawsuit itself. And what's funny is I had more people responding to that video than many of my other videos because they're like, hey, Steve, you know, you're talking about this the same way we'd be talking about it if it happened to us, you know, and, and that is the crazy part. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of like if a doctor was forced to go spend a week in the hospital and, and keep his mouth shut. OK, that's that's how I felt. I had to hire an attorney. <laughs> so but it was it was it was a fascinating exercise. And like I said, people enjoyed it. Well, yeah, and like I said, I've been learning a lot, and it is uh, it is good to watch. Um, and, you know, I'm not one of those people that likes to watch YouTube necessarily. My son, of course, is all over it. Um, but it really is gaining a foothold. Yeah, well, you know, this is what I like to tell people is that the number one search engine on the Internet is Google. The number two search engine is YouTube. People go to YouTube to look stuff up. And so if you go to YouTube to look up Lemon Law stuff, well, guess what? That's what I'm talking about. So it, it turns out that people do enjoy having stuff explained to them by somebody as opposed to having to read it off of a screen. And, and I, I realize it makes us sound lazy, but it's just human nature. <laughs> well, I've got to ask. I mean, you know, obviously that's going to take up some of your time to put together something like that to make it compelling. You've got some work to do, some research to do. Uh, you also are still working on, on books, obviously, still mm -hmm. doing your research. Uh, and I know that you, you mentioned earlier that there's, you know, this is all part of a, of, of a memoir you're working on, correct? Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm also still how, practicing How do you find law. the time? <laughs> I've, I've always been multitasking. I've always written books while I was a lawyer, and, and I used to have radio shows on the weekends. And so, you know, for me, the podcasting, the videos are just, it's just, instead of being on the radio, I'm doing that. Now, it's true that editing videos is a little more complicated than being on the radio, but uh, it's, you know, I taught myself video editing. So, you know, I'm, I'm learning as I get older. <laughs> well, you know, I guess that's the goal, isn't it? Lifelong learning, isn't that what they yep, say? We should yep. all be lifelong learners? Never stop. Well, 
Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. I, I just wanted to give people an opportunity to find out where you are now, um, that you did indeed make it back from your trip alive, sort of. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and fill them in because they, I had people say, well, what happened to them? Yeah. I said, yeah. well, you know, that's a good thing. I should check that out. But we always appreciate talking to you. So when the book is done, uh, we'll have you back. Uh, looking forward to reading a lot more. And just so I can give people an idea, can I read the quotes that you have at the top of this thing to give oh, them a yeah, sense yeah, as to yeah, what yeah. this that, is? That, that sets up the scene quite, quite well, I think. Yes, yeah, so there, there are two of them. The first one says... The great stillness in these landscapes that once made me restless seeps into me day by day, and with it the unreasonable feeling that I've found what I was searching for without ever having discovered what it was. Now that sounds great, but then you follow it up with this, point, uh, with this quote from Mike Tyson. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> nice that, juxtaposition there, my that's friend. That's pretty much it. You have no idea, like I said, such high expectations at the beginning and such a crash and burn at the end. But, you know, I'm, I'm alive. And, I'm, and as, as I was stumbling out of the woods, I thought, you know, if I, if, I can, if I can start laughing about this, maybe I can write about it. There you well, go. I'll tell you what. I guarantee you, you have a better story. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's going to be a lot more fun to tell, I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. Well, Steve, oh, yeah. Steve Leto, we always appreciate you being with us on the program. Thank you Thank very you. much, and we'll talk Thank again you. soon. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Appreciate it very much on this day. Of course, we are going to be following the impeachment hearings for the next several days. We will make sure that we bring you up to date on anything there if it's of massive importance, but know that it will also be a part of our end-of-the-week roundup, the week that was here on Deadline Detroit. And if you haven't checked that out before, well, please do. I, I do it live via Facebook on Fridays, usually about 11.30 or so we go live. But then, of course, I make it available as a podcast, and if you appreciate the audio version, great. And if you'd like to watch us in action, just go to DeadlineDetroit.com. You can click on the little name there. It'll show you that video. And it's usually available on the Deadline TV section and also on Deadline Detroit's YouTube page. You can find it there. Lots of other great videos that we're making available for you there as well. So make sure you check all of that out. In the meantime, send me an email, thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. You can also text me at that same address, thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. And you can also find me on just about every social media platform uh, that's out there these days um, and I check them out I will respond let me know what you want to hear about what you like what you don't like I'm okay with all of that stuff just give me your feedback like I said the numbers are going in the right direction we're gaining more listeners every week which is what we'd like to see so thanks very much for checking out the program today thanks again to our sponsors Tech Town and Samaritas for their support we'll be back a couple more times this week for sure on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. 